0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. I'm going to also bring Tom in in about 30 minutes, who will talk about his little four-legged human that uh, he has had for a couple of years now. But let me introduce Dr. Ph.D. type Clive Wynn, the founding director of the Canine Science Collaboratory at the Arizona State University. Previously, He was the founding director of the Canine Cognition and Behavior Laboratory at the University of Florida. Now, that was the very first laboratory of its kind in the United States. A native of the United Kingdom, Mr. Wynn has lived and worked in Germany, Australia, and here in the United States. Author of several previous academic books and of more than 100 peer-reviewed scientific journal articles that count among them the most highly cited studies on dog psychology and has appeared in several television documentaries about dog science on National Geographic, Explorer, PBS, and the BBC. Clive Wynn, Dog is Love. Clive, welcome to the program. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, George, me too. Thank you for having me on.
1: I have owned in my lifetime a Golden Retriever, a Yellow Lab, a Chocolate Lab, a Black Lab, and I've got to tell you, there is a special bond between, I think, a dog and a, uh, and a human.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing.
1: Tell me about your research. How did you get involved in this?
0: Well, sure. I mean, um, I've always been an animal psychologist, but I started out like most academic animal psychologists do, studying animals that are small and easy to keep in cages in a lab. I've worked a lot with pigeons and a little with rats. I had a phase of my life. I had a decade in Australia where I was studying the behavior of some marsupial species that was really cool. But when I moved to the United States, I realized I was ready for something new, George. I was, I was a little tired of the pigeons in cages, and I couldn't keep working <laughs> with the marsupials. So, um, so I looked around me, and I realized, I mean, what had got me into animal psychology is that I was fascinated by the minds of other species. You know, what are animals thinking? How do they tick? But I, but I also realized that that wasn't the only thing that interested me, that fascinated me. I was also very interested in the relationship between people and animals. And as soon as you start to think about the relationship between people and animals, very quickly you'll learn that there is no animal with which we humans have had a longer relationship or with which we now share a closer bond than with the dog. So about 15 years ago, I decided uh, to start studying dog behavior, dog minds, and the relationship between dogs and people. And I have to tell you, George, since it's like it's like everything I touch turns to gold, it's all so fascinating now that I'm with the dogs. I never have a bored moment, really.
1: Now, there's also a distinction between dogs and cats. And if you're a cat lover, boy, you're going to go to bat for that cat. If you're a dog lover, you're going to do the same for the dog. Tell us what do you think in terms of the breed... What's the difference, truly, between a dog and a cat as a pet?
0: Well, so I'm—I'm I'm not. But my professional expertise, George, is with the—is with the dogs, right? And okay. that, so that's—you know—anything I say about dogs, I can back it up. I can show you the science. If I'm talking about cats, I'm just basing it on the fact that I've lived with cats. Right now, we have very few scientists taking much of a serious interest in cats, but that is gradually changing, I think. But my sense is. Well, one thing we do know, one thing we know, is that dogs have been with us longer than any other animal. Before we had cows, before we had sheep, before we had goats, before we domesticated anything, even plants like wheat, we didn't have. When we first started making friends with dogs, we didn't even have wheat or oats or anything. So that's 15 to 20,000 years ago. Whereas cats came into human lives much more recently maybe three or 4,000 years ago. Now, of course, that's still a goodly length of time, but evolution is a slow process. And so three or 4,000 years isn't as long. And so it's pretty clear, and I think it's clear to anyone who's lived with cats and with dogs, that the dogs are much closer to us, more consistently close to us. You do meet friendly cats. I've had some wonderful, affectionate cats in my life. But the cat I have right now, I think, is more typical of a cat in that she'll come out from time to time, especially at night, actually. She might appear while we're talking together. But generally speaking, a visitor can come to our home and not even realize we have a cat, whereas you could not get in our front door and not meet our dog. And that's pretty typical of dogs. The dogs are very, very interested in people. Do you f- so at a minimum, there's a big difference in the level of engagement with people between dogs and
1: cats do you find that different breeds of the dog will react differently to people do they have different personalities based on breed
0: well George that's that's a that's an excellent question a lot of people raise that question because it's To some degree, it's common knowledge that different breeds of dogs have different personalities. If you get the big books of the dog, you know, there's a, I think the American Kennel Club puts out a book with some, you know, there's like two pages on every breed from uh, think of a breed beginning with A to think of a breed beginning with Z. Um, And you read those brief descriptions. Those descriptions include a little bit about the personality of each breed of dog. And those obviously are based on, on a lot of experience that a lot of people have had, but there's not an awful lot of scientifically reliable information. And that's partially because it would be a big job. It would be a big job to give a thorough personality test to a number of dogs from each of the over 200 breeds that are recognized today. So my personal feeling is, and, and this is still developing, but my personal feeling is that the differences between breeds in personality might not be quite as strong as those kind of breed books would have us believe. Uh, my personal feeling is that dogs of almost any breed have a, a pretty powerful capacity to form strong bonds with people and to be friendly with people, and that there are not many breeds, if perhaps any, that if they're given a fair chance when they're young, because you know, the, the dog's experiences when it's a puppy are quite crucial in forming its adult personality. So I think if, if a dog of any breed is given a fair chance when it's young to form positive relationships, then I think they can all turn out to be to be pretty friendly, pretty sociable, uh, and indeed, loving, loving companions.
1: Clive, win with us. Clive, tell us about the title, Dog is Love.
0: Right. So the title is, of course, a, a, a gentle play on a, on a more familiar phrase. Sure. And, and it was my way of capturing... That the essence of what I'm saying in the book is, so the question of the book, the question of the book is, what makes dogs so special? That's the question. That's the question that drives me on. What is it about dogs that makes them the most successful large mammals on the surface of the planet with nearly a billion dogs alive today? On every continent that people live on, dogs live there too. What is it? What is the secret of dog success? And when I started about 15 years ago studying dogs, there was a feeling among the handful of scientists who were interested in dogs that dogs had developed special forms of intelligence, that their success in human society was due to an exceptional ability to understand people. Mm -hmm. And I I started looking at that for myself. And my students and I carried out tests on dogs. And sure enough, dogs are very sensitive to what people are up to. They do understand us very well. But then we got the opportunity to study wolves. All of our dogs are descended from wolves. So by studying wolves, we're looking at dogs' ancestor. And so we're seeing what might have changed, what might have developed as dogs became a thing fifteen to 20,000 years ago. And to our astonishment, we found that the wolves we tested, which were hand-reared by people and hand-reared by an outfit in Indiana called Wolf Park, where they've been hand-rearing wolves since 1974. So these people are are the world experts on how to hand-rear a wolf so so that it will accept people and live alongside people in a peaceful way. We found that these wolves were actually just as good at responding to what people were up to as the dogs that we tested. And since then, we and other researchers have found that actually many species of animal can be very smart about what people are doing if they have been raised by people and live alongside people all their lives. So the intelligence thing is not the thing that makes dogs unique. But then, and I tell the story in the book, Dog is Love, I had a new dog come into my own life, my, my beautiful Zephos, and she basically explained it to me because she's not a <laughs> smart dog by any manner of means. She's, you know, she's, I love her to pieces, but she is not clever. But she's so, so loving. And so I, the penny dropped for me when she came into my life. And I began reorienting my science to look for signs that dogs might have an exceptional capacity for affection, for love in relationships. And sure enough, I found plenty of evidence and as I tell the story in the book, many other scientists around the world all the way around the world have found evidence too which I which I which I've um outlined in the book.
1: Uh, do you find that love and loyalty are the same with a dog?
0: I would I George, I would put them all in the same category. in the oh. same space in the same broad category. Um uh, absolutely. I mean, in my scientific writing, we don't use either of those words. We try and come up with more technical-sounding words. So we use words like hypersociability and exaggerated gregariousness. Because, you know, when you're publishing science, you can't just use one-syllable words that everybody else would use. You have to find some much longer, more technical-sounding thing. But really, uh, it, it all amounts to the same thing. It's all, it's all part and parcel of, a, of, a, of an exceptional, exaggerated capacity and desire to form strong emotional bonds with members of other species. That's, I think, the essence of the book, and that's of the essence of the book, and it's the essence of the dog. And that's what I'm getting at with the title, Dog is Love.
1: Every once in a while when I'm flying, I will see a person with a handler dog, the, a special dog that they're allowed to bring with them uh, to comfort them on a plane. What does the dog do to comfort somebody?
0: Just being there, just being calm and being there. Um, I mean, George, don't you find this with your own dogs? I mean, I was going to say, if, you're, if you can't sleep at night, you, I find it tremendously restful to be able to put my feet on my, on my dog's back as she's sleeping at the end of my bed. But perhaps with your, with your working hours, perhaps it doesn't arise. I don't know how you do it.
1: Well, I don't have any anymore because of my shift, oh. but I used to have a lot.
0: Yes, uh, and uh, it's just it's just them being there that's a tremendous. Uh,
1: do you think? A, yeah. Do you think a dog dreams? Uh, that's a really interesting
0: question, and I, I don't know the answer. I mean, I know as every dog owner does that dogs appear to act out some things in their sleep. Right? You see your dog. You know, sometimes you can you can see your dog seems to be chasing a rabbit. Yes, in
1: exactly. But I don't
0: know. I don't know, George, how we could turn that. Into a scientific project, I don't know. Maybe something on brain waves. Maybe I maybe don't know. I don't maybe know how we would get.
1: Well, to, you know, yeah. one day when they're going to be able to download something from the brain and turn it into pictures on a screen. So if if you're dreaming as a human about the you know flying to the moon, yeah, you're going to see that on a screen, and it's going to be amazing. Your 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 brain literally is going to be like a movie camera. Maybe yeah, we could well, do that with a dog.
0: Maybe we could, maybe we could, but uh, it seems possible, doesn't it, when you watch them in their sleep and their little twitches and
1: jerky... And their little sounds, like, yeah, and like that, when they're asleep. I mean, you could yeah. tell they're chasing something or they're being chased or, or something. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Now, when you wrote the book, did that change your mind about anything?
0: Well, George, I mean, I, I wouldn't have started writing the book unless my mind was made up. So so I felt I knew what I knew before I started. I, I don't think anybody would go into a book like that, uncertain where they were coming out. But at the same time, pulling together all the evidence and bringing it together in one place, in one volume, and and looking around... All the way round, you know, because obviously I know what I've been doing. I know my research. I'm, I'm not going to forget what my own students and I have been up to. But we're not the only people. I mean, there are not a lot, but if you look all the way around the world, there are, there are a lot of people. And so and so, um, so it was very interesting to be forced to pull all the evidence together from all these different places. And to see that just, just how much we have learned about dogs' uh, capacity for affection. And, it, and it's at every level. I'm a behavioral scientist, so most of what I do is, is directly observing the behavior of the animals. Uh, but other scientists around the world, they can look at the dog at many different levels of analysis. So I, when we were talking about therapy dogs just a moment ago, dogs that keep people calm on planes and so on, There's one study out of Australia where they strapped heart rate monitors onto the chests of people and their dogs, and they just had the people sit down next to their dogs on a sofa while observing on their devices the heartbeats of the dog and the person. And they find as the dog and the person snuggle together on the sofa, firstly the heart rates of both partners go down, which shows how they're relaxing, but also their heartbeats become synchronized so that their hearts are beating, you know, as people say in a romantic sense, two hearts beating as one. But this is totally objectively the case. The two hearts, the heart of the dog and the heart of the person, beat in unison as one, as one organ. So, um, so there's a lot of fascinating work from all around the world at many different levels of analysis.
1: When, when a dog shows some kind of emotion, does it, does it get sad? Does it get happy? I mean, we've seen dogs with their tails wagging. You know they're happy, uh, but what, what does science say?
0: Well, right, absolutely. So, so it's pretty clear that dogs, actually, emotions in general are very, very basic. Many species experience emotions, basic emotions, happiness, sadness, anxiety and fear versus calm and security. What animals don't experience are the kinds of emotions that take a lot of thought to get to. So what I mean by that is, I mean emotions like shame and guilt, right? If you're going to feel guilty, you have to understand that you did something you weren't supposed to do. You have to understand rules to be able to feel guilt. So it's unlikely that dogs and other animals feel those kinds of emotions because they, they're, they're too intellectually demanding for animals to be likely to grasp them. But the basic emotions, the basic feels of happiness, sadness, as I say, fear, anxiety versus security, uh, a feeling of loving bond with a parent or with another individual that you have a strong connection with, those emotions are very basic, and certainly our dogs experience them, and probably most animals do.
1: Clive, is a dog born vicious, or is it trained or treated that way, and it becomes that?
0: Oh, well... It's, definite, it's definitely largely in how an animal is raised. I mean, everything about a dog, just like everything about us, everything about any living thing, is the, how the basic genetic code mm-hmm. sets up the circumstances, and then life draws that forward. And, uh, and so in our dogs, I think all our dogs are born with the potential to be very loving, but given the right or we could say the wrong circumstances of life, something else can come out. But fortunately with dogs, of course, I'm not for a moment denying that there are vicious dogs and there are people who are harmed by dogs. There's no question about that. But by and large, dogs can rebound from even quite bad situations and still grow up and become loving individuals.